You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Man, it is so good to to be with you. Um, Like Josh said, we go way back. In fact, as he was talking about Texas State, I was reminded of some real charismatic times we had back in the day. And some, uh, I think half of those people are in ministry now. So I don't know what God was doing. We definitely weren't going to school very much, but we were sharing the gospel a lot. And so uh, we're here with you today. But it's good to be with you. It's really an honor. Um, I didn't do this on purpose, but I am representing the well uh, and just doing at Refuge. It's really easy when you get, amen, yeah. So we're going we're gonna to have a little bit of fun with that today, but... Uh, We're going to be walking through Romans 12 and kind of looking at some of that together. But my prayer and what I actually want to pause and just pray and ask that God would do in my heart and in your heart as well is actually surrender the idea of what church is supposed to be. Because a lot of us have either grown up in church context or we're coming into the church and we've heard things and we've got these preconceived notions of what church is and what church does and what that means for me and and all of that. And so I want to pray and just ask that we would surrender that, that whatever you're bringing in with what idea of your role in the church being, that God would just, hey, let me show you who I really am in this. That he would answer that prayer and maybe you'd be able to lay some things down. Maybe he was calling you to pick some things up as well. But really that you would be a part of a family. Uh, the church is not a business. Amen. Amen. We're going to go there, okay? The church is not a business. It is a family. And so I want to pray to that end that God would remind you that you're part of his family, that you're a son and a daughter. So would you pray with me before we get into Romans 12 today? Father in heaven, I thank you that we're a part of something much bigger than ourselves. I thank you for your kingdom and that we pray today that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Would we surrender what we think that looks like? Would we surrender our idea of church in a lot of ways today? Would we remember what you've called us to? And so as we look at what it means to follow Jesus in the church, this messy, broken thing that can reflect your beauty somehow, we ask that you would get the glory today. I pray that what people take away would not be me or anything like that or any cool thing that we can do in Austin, God, but it would be about you, Jesus, that we get to image you by how we do this thing called being a church family. And so, God, I just pray that we'd surrender our notion of what that's supposed to be and that we would be able to step into what it truly looks like to follow you, Jesus, together in this thing called church. We love you and we worship you through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, last week, uh, Josh continued this series of following Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus in relationships. And y'all have a blessing in Josh, okay? Because he made you cry with a Ted. Yeah, yeah, give it up for Josh. Give it up for Josh and Rachel. Love them. But he made you cry with a Ted Lasso story last week. And so if you were here or you know what that show is, that is very difficult to do. In fact, I'm not going to pretend to make uh, any of us have the same heartstrings pulled. I'm not bringing in Ted Lasso today. But man, he's a gift to you in that. 
and showing you really how God is moving through relationships and talking about brokenness and the vulnerability that it takes to really do this thing called life and the Christian life together. And so as you're looking at relationships last week and even looking at Zacchaeus and what that meant with him and Jesus and then others involved in that as well, man, we are doing this thing called church in relationships. But there's a reality of loneliness that Josh also mentioned last week that I kind of want to piggyback off before we jump into Romans 12. And part of that is that all of us are kind of under the threat of loneliness in different ways. Have you ever experienced loneliness? Am I the only person in here? Okay, loneliness is something that we feel like is almost lurking around the corner. We have a fear of missing out because we don't want to be lonely. We don't want to be left out. And in a lot of ways, we, we are easily pulled into the idea of thinking that we are all alone. We forget that God is with us, that Jesus says, I'm with you to the very end of the age. Last week, Josh mentioned that 36% of the population feels lonely almost all the time. And that means in a room this size, that's almost 40% of the people in this room feel lonely. And in our city, it's very true as people are reaching out, trying to grab affection in the things of the world all the time. And we do that in the church as well. But God has given us an opportunity. He's given us a vessel to actually remove loneliness from each other. And that might sound weird. You might not have heard of that idea before, but God has given you gifts, tools, abilities, things to remove the loneliness in somebody else's life. That you can actually step in and help that person no longer be alone. That you actually are the hands and feet of Jesus removing that aloneness and that pain from that individual. And in fact, if you're sitting in here today, I guarantee you've had somebody reach out to you. You were invited into this family somehow, some way. Even if it was a flyer, somebody made that flyer. Even if it was a post on Facebook, somebody made that. Somebody thought of you, prayed for you, and reached out to you in some way through the Spirit of God. That is our God. He's removing the brokenness of the world one person at a time. And he's done that through his son, Jesus. And so as we, we look into what the church can be, it's, it's really supposed to be a family. And so following Jesus in the church, it's hard, it's messy. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But first, I think we have this call from God that we're supposed to renew our minds together. And so I want to take you to Romans 12. and start out there in verses 1 and 2. And so we got to look at how we're called to renew our minds together is really the first thing we're going to dive into today. So Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. By the mercies of God, a living sacrifice. Who does that make you think of? This is the easiest question of the day. Oh, come on. We can be louder than that. Jesus, right? Holy and acceptable. He's the only perfect sacrifice. And so when I think of what is acceptable to God, it is Jesus. And that's why I need God to see Jesus when he sees me. Because then I am forgiven and I am made clean in that. But yes, I'm also able to be brought into the family because he sees his son. We're holy and acceptable. This is actually a, a corporate command. Paul, he's, he's not Southern. He's from Jerusalem. But in this, he's talking about y'all. That's what he's saying. He's not just saying you renew your mind. He's saying all of you, y'all, renew your mind in this. 
This is a corporate command. It's for us. It's for the church. And this is for church-wide sanctification. This is unique in a way to refuge because I want you to look at refuge. Look at this church as a disciple. Look at this church as one that's being discipled corporately. If you think if you got a two-year-old, how many of you have a two-year-old or have had a two-year-old? Raise your hand. Can that two-year-old ride a bike? No. Okay. Like, can that two-year-old get a job? You might want them to, but it's probably not time, right? There's a lot that can only, there's so, sorry, only so much that can happen in that season. And yet we put expectations on kids and others. We do the same thing with our church. The well where, where I get to worship weekly is only eight years old. We try to act like we're 20 years old sometime, but we're only eight years old. There's things we need to trust in God's time and his perfection that we're growing into. So in that, we're corporately growing up together. So look around the room real quick. You are growing spiritually with these people right here. As they grow, you grow. And as you grow, they grow. And that might not be something that's registered with all of us in our hearts, but as I'm sanctified, you are sanctified. We are growing to look more like Christ. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, this is a corporate command. This is not just you and God individually. And in our American way of thinking, we think it's all about us, right? We think, oh, I need to renew my mind. I need to do this. And if you've grown up in a church where you've been taught that you just need to renew your mind and get over your sin, it's probably coming from sin management and thinking you can just do things to get over your sin by yourself. But this is a corporate call that we are to renew our minds together. It's not just about purity here. It's not just about you and God and making sure you're good with the big man upstairs. This is about us as a family. Are we looking more like Jesus together? Are we being transformed or are we being conformed to look more like the world? You know, this corporate heart change, it, it takes time. It takes maturity. And the body of believers is maturing over time. And that's God's design for it. Uh, God has designed us to look like a family. And your family might be really messy. You might not have family. Family might be something that's like, I don't want to even talk about that. Don't use God and family in the same analogy. That's not safe for me. But that's not God's design. God's design from the very beginning in, a, in the garden that family, that even marriage would be the bedrock and illustration and analogy of his relationship with us. And so he's inviting you into family, not to the way the world does it, but to the way he does it, where he is the head. He is the good father. He is the one that loves you and cares for you and calls you son and daughter. He's inviting you into that. And so if he calls you son and daughter, that means we need to see others in his family, in the church as sons and daughters, and that we love them and care for them. I know growing up, my own brother, he's three years older. He has red hair and blue eyes, but we look exactly the same. If you got black and white pictures next to each other, we look exactly the same. He's three years older, captain of the football team, captain of the basketball team, homecoming king, prom king, okay? I, I was a freshman. He was a senior. Does it, do you get the picture? Okay. He could beat me in my back. He had my back in a way that was kind of scary in some ways, okay? As he was getting ready to try to play college football. But it was a safety, and it was a fun thing. But then at the end of the day, we're family. We had to care for each other. This family's got your back. 
As you look around and you see these people, they're caring for you, fighting spiritual battles with you. You're here, you're fighting spiritual battles with Josh. You're blessing him in that. You're walking with him in that. And so as we think of family, we need to think of family differently than what we've experienced this side of heaven. The church is meant to be a picture of the gospel. Uh, when, when you look at renewing your mind and getting into the, that, but man, when we renew our mind, really it's, it's like the marriage. And, and, and when we give our bodies as a living sacrifice, it's really like the, the wedding day, getting married and doing that or versus living a life that is walking with each other. Anybody know anybody who's been married over 50 years? Like each other. My grandparents were married 62 years. And to see that picture of family in that way, they, you know, they have the same diet like each other. A true church family begins to look like each other. You're going to look like some of the people in this room, and that's a beautiful thing. And that's the way God has designed it, is that in the church family, you're going to sharpen each other and look like one another. That we get to be, if you don't look different in a year from now, as you did Right now, you're going to miss out on what God has for you in this church family. If you're not able to learn and grow from other people's gifts in here, you're missing out on God's best for you. And so we get to be transformed together. This brings up some questions, though, right? It's like, why do we have to do this thing called church? Why do we have to be together? Why does renewing our minds together actually give me a purpose in this family? And so first, why gather together? Well, presence matters. Spiritual rhythms matter. Geography matters. Even breaking through like spiritual strongholds in those places. Consistency matters. Direction, vision, mission. All those things matter to God because you're reflecting his character here on the earth. And so as a church, your vision as a church matters to God. I mean, if you read the New Testament, though, it's not just about getting together on a Sunday in a holiday inn or at a middle school, or wherever that may be. That's not the end goal. The end goal is that, hey, we're meeting in this place. We're gathering so that we can go out from here because we're on mission. We need to be reminded and encouraged of this mission that God has for us. I mean, I think of Jesus in Matthew 28. He says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is with us. He's given us his presence so that we can go. I think of how we need each other to be encouraged and to grow and to move. Again, you need the people in this room. And that might be harder for you to admit than you realize. You actually need everybody else's gifts in this room. You don't have to have all the gifts in the spiritual family, but you need to receive all the gifts. Because at some point, somebody's going to serve you. At some point, somebody's going to teach you. At some point, somebody's going to show you an act of mercy and care for you. And I think of uh, growing up in the church. I'm a pastor's kid, so I was, like, literally born setting up chairs like this, okay? Like, this has been my life uh, since before I was born. When my mom was pregnant, she was setting up chairs and doing the kids' ministry back there, okay? So church planting is, like, in my blood. But there was one guy named Randy. I'll never forget. Randy was, uh, used to be a naval officer on a submarine, and just tough, tough guy. And his wife had come to Christ. And she was in our church in Washington, D.C. And Randy was a, a very devout atheist. And yet he wanted to come and be with his wife and their boys. They had four boys. And they would come and, and they were like this. They'd take up the front row like this. And Andy, or sorry, Randy would sit there and listen week after week after week. 
But he kept telling my dad, who was a pastor, hey, I'm just not ready for this. I'm just not ready for this. And then after eight years, he said, okay, I want to go on a mission trip. And my dad's like, well, Randy, you can't go on a mission trip if you're an atheist. I'm sorry. We're not going to have you go on a mission trip if you're an atheist. He's like, no, I want to tell other people about what I've experienced here. What do I have to do? And that's how he came to Christ. He came to Christ because he had been called into mission. He came to Christ because he saw that what he was experiencing was worth sharing. He didn't come to Christ just with head knowledge. He came to Christ because he was being called and encouraged in the mission. And that's what we get to do as a church. And I remember being about 10 years old and sitting on the front row like this. And I saw Randy get up and share his testimony in front of the whole church. And he said, when I came into this church, I had bricks built up against Jesus from pain and abuse and anger. And each one of you over the last eight years took a brick out of that wall. And to see everybody weep when that happened, as a kid, that impacted me deeply. And I was encouraged towards mission rather just to a gathering. And so when you come to refuge, you're not coming just to a place to come. You're coming to be sent from this place. And I love the heart for South Austin. I love where God has you because there really are not a lot of churches around here. And you know that. And as Josh shares that with you guys, but I think who are the Randys of refuge? Who are the people that are going to come and be a part of what God is doing in this community, in this church family? And so as you're renewing your minds, you're renewing your mind to vision and to purpose and to going into what God has for you, not just to a place. Because ultimately, we'll be with him forever, but we get to do this together. I think of Hebrews 10.25, which is just this reminder to consistently meet together. Because this has been hard during COVID. This has been so, so hard. And I feel like every pastor in the world is like, hey, Hebrews 10.25, you need to meet together. You need to meet together. But we have to love each other in this. And you guys have done a really beautiful job of that. It says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day drawing near. If you're not on mission together and you're not pursuing following Jesus together, you really don't have a need to meet together. And that might sound weird and that might mess with your view of church, but coming and checking the box of just showing up There's no point to that if you read the New Testament. But you need encouragement, as Hebrews 10.25 says, if you're on mission and if you have purpose together. And God's calling this family into that. Uh, We're we're not given spiritual gifts of being spectators. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible. It's like you have the spiritual gift of watching YouTube sermons. I don't see that in the scriptures. You have the spiritual gift of critiquing other pastors. I don't see that in the scriptures. You have the spiritual gift of checking out 10 different churches in one month. I don't see that in the scriptures, okay? And we could go on and on. You have the spiritual gifts that are meant to build up the body. If you're in this room, you have been given spiritual gifts from God himself. And so as we go on Romans 12, 3 through 5, I want to just read this over us and then, and then dive into it. It says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 
For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Man, this is good here. Our, our gifts are not for us, but for others. Our gifts are not for us, but for others. And we're members of one body, a family. God assigns the measure of faith. Don't be jealous of somebody else's gift in this room because God hasn't given you the grace to carry that gift and it would crush you. And don't try to give away the gift God's given you because he's given you the grace to carry that gift if you walk with him. And and as we look around, we can do this in the church. Church is messy because people are messy. Church is imperfect because people are imperfect. You will never find a perfect church. The moment Josh planted this church, it became an imperfect church. I love Josh, but he's imperfect. This church will be imperfect. The well is imperfect. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're looking for something that's actually a lie and a mirage from Satan. And you're comparing people and judging them in a way that God never meant for them to experience. We will be in perfection when we see Jesus face to face. So don't compare your gifts to each other. Celebrate the gifts that you see around you. Celebrate what God is doing in each other. And whatever your connotation with family is impacts the way you view the church in incredible ways. Really deep, deep ways that you might not even be aware of. If you have a great relationship with your family, you might have crazy expectations that of a church and what it's supposed to look like and what they're supposed to give to you. But often many of us have broken relationships with our families. And so we don't expect a lot of good from the church. We expect to be hurt by the church. And I want to challenge you in that. If you're just kind of on the surface, you're not going deep with people or diving in vulnerably like Josh talked about last week, dive in. Trust God. Jump in with both feet and say, all right, God, here I am. Just take me. I trust you in this family. I trust that you're the head of this church. Following the church and following Jesus in the church is necessary. You cannot live out the fruits of the spirit by yourself. If you're on an island by yourself, you will not get to experience the joy, the peace, the kindness that God has for you to experience. He has given us those things that are evidences of his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the living God working and moving and breathing through you, blessing others He's given you that. It's supernatural, and it's hard to explain, but the Spirit of God is dwelling in you. And if he's dwelling in you, he's doing that in community with others. And he wants them to be blessed by you. Growing up in the church is is hard. Amen. Walking with others in the church is hard. Church is messy. Now, I've experienced some of the greatest blessings I've ever experienced within a church. Uh, All my aunts, uncles, cousins, they're from a church plant in Washington, D.C. We go to their weddings, all that kind of stuff. That was my extended family. For many of you in this room, refuge will be your extended family. You've been adopted in, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, I've experienced acceptance and purpose and, and love and really accountability and like faithfulness and care within the church. And so, to be honest, some of my greatest joys I've experienced in the church and some of my absolute greatest pain and sorrows I have experienced in the church. 
I, my parents and others in my family have not been divorced. The closest thing I've experienced to divorce is a church split that was just sorrowful. And I came into it, and I was like, what is happening? And it felt like betrayal and ripping apart. I've experienced slander and, and things that I thought would never happen. I thought these people were Christians, right? You ever think you're more saved than you really are? Yeah. Like, we all think that it's supposed to be this way or it's supposed to be something. But even in those painful moments, God is sanctifying me and he's sanctifying the church and he's sanctifying other people as we get to end up actually looking more like Christ through those painful moments. There is opportunity for reconciliation always within the church when we come before the feet of Jesus together. I've been in Matthew 18 a whole lot. And if you know what that passage is, you know what that means. But there is reconciliation to be had in relationships in the family of God. Again, the church is a family. It is not a business. You can't just let people go. It's about a family that walks together and grows up together. And the church is messy. It takes humility. It takes confession. It takes walking together. But each one of us have a part to play. Each one of us have a gift to be given. So Romans 12, 6 through 8 says this. Having to the grace that is, it's really easy when we look at this passage, we think about our gifts, our abilities. Okay, this one's mine. I'm not going to do the others. All of that, right? How many of you just picked out your gift when you read through that? You're like, that's my thing. Anybody? Am I the only one that's that weird? Okay. You look at this and often we say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do rather than what I'm supposed to receive, what I'm supposed to be doing. So when I look at these, these are gifts to bless others. But then Paul gives us this attitude to really look at here. So with prophecies, really speaking truth, it takes faith. With service, it takes serving. There's an action there. With teaching, you teach, right? There's a teachable attitude with that. And then acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Again, you do not need all the gifts. Don't try to be the leader, the teacher, the exhorter. The server, you don't try to be all of those. It's receive all the gifts of the body. You need each other. We need each other. I, I need you. You need me. We're a happy family, right? Thank you, Barney, from 1992. Okay. And I, I think about this, how, how I'm so quick to say, okay, what am I supposed to do, God? Act that, though. And bring that pain, and there's sorrow that goes against that cheerfulness, right? Our, our gifts are very much attacked. But this is important for, I think, all of us to recognize as we go out of here today. Attitude for grace shapes our attitude towards our gifts. Our attitude for grace shapes our attitude towards our gifts. One of the major observations, really, the, the New Testament here in this call is how communal it is. Uh, the, the, the apostles, they're commissioned together as a team. Refuge was actually sent together as a team. Uh, how many of you were there on that day when you got sent out? There's this sending, there's this joy where there's a commissioning together. And God often speaks to groups and he often gives gifts to groups. And this grace gift I'm talking about, really not just to one person, but to everybody. That's why he works through community. He works through family. In fact, family. In fact, if you look at the book of Acts, 96% of the conversions in Acts happen in the context of a group or a community or really a room of believers a lot like this that you're in right now. 
And so within that, this is a corporate call to use our gifts, but it's all wrapped up in love. It's wrapped up in the love of Christ. And so really the, the last thing here, number three, if you will, is let love be real. Love refuge. Love this church. Like love this church like you love your family. Love each other as a family would. This is the family God has given you. In a way, it's like you've been born into this family, and he chose you for it, just like you didn't choose the parents you had. He chose you for refuge because you have something to give to this family, and you have things you need to receive from this family to grow to look more like the image of Christ that God has destined you to look like. Ephesians four fifteen through 16 says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up and grow so that it builds itself up in love. Without love, we're just a clanging gong, a clanging cymbal. Paul talks about this. But here he's talking about the body must grow up in love, must be cared for in love. Jesus didn't die for a bunch of scattered souls watching YouTube to just come together one day. He died for the bride of Christ, his church that images him and is his body here on earth. Do you see what the church can be if you're actually using your gifts and blessing others? Do you have any vision for the good that is possible through the church? The church is supposed to be the light of the world. The church can be safety. The church can be a picture of heaven, a foretaste of what is to come. The church is a movement of God on planet earth, reaching others. The local church is what God is using to reach the nations with the gospel. The church is a reminder and really a training ground for us to look more like Christ as we renew our minds together. And the church can be a family. Romans 12, as we finish up here, 9 through 13 says this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be servant in, sorry, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. When Paul says, let love be genuine, he changes his language here in Romans 12. He changes it from doing to being. And if you're going to be a part of the church of God, you need to be a part of the church of God. It's not about what you're doing. It's not about what you're bringing in. It's about being. It's being part of the family. And so as he looks at this here, it's... It's so rich and it's so deep and it takes all the vulnerability and brokenness Josh talked about last week to be a part of a family. To know that you're fully accepted in love, not just by the people in this room, but by Jesus Christ who died for you and he died for everybody sitting in here. We want family. We want community. We want friendship. And we have to die to ourselves in that. Uh, Tim Keller, a, a pastor some of you might know, He says this, he says, everyone says they want community and friendship, but mention accountability or commitment to people and they run the other way. Now that might be the dating scene in Austin, but I think it has a lot to do with the church as well, right? They run the other way from commitment. When you're a part of a family, you're committing fully to that family. 
You're committing when it's good. You're committing when it's bad. You're committing through sickness and in health when you're getting married. You're committing beyond yourself to something bigger than yourself. And so family and community, they take sacrifice. I think of even our daughter. We have an 11-month-old named Lucy Margaret. She's the cutest thing. It takes sacrifice for us to love her. She doesn't offer us a whole lot other than a smile and a dirty diaper right now. But that smile and the fact that she's my daughter makes it all worth it. The part that, hey, we're family. I'm committed to you. I love you. That experience of joy that's wrapped up in that goes beyond me. It becomes us. It becomes family. Community takes time. The church takes time to grow. It takes forgiveness. It takes humility. And so in the body of Christ, just going back to Ephesians 4.16, it's, it's just a reminder that it, this really calls for love. Do you love people enough in this room to call them out in their sin? Do you love people in this room to serve them? Do you love people enough to lead them, to teach them, to grow with them? Do you love people in this room enough to be taught by them, to receive their acts of mercy? And then in Romans 12, 9, let love be genuine. Christ gave his life out of love for you so that we could experience that love together. I love the vision uh, and, and mission of refuge We exist to see our city shaped and transformed by the love of Jesus. That love is is part of what we get to experience in the family of God. I'm going to ask you, do you see what refuge can be? We talked about what the church can be, but do you see what refuge can be? If Romans 12 is true of this community, do you see what the church can be? Do you see how God could use refuge to transform South Austin? Do you see how your gifts will be used in that? And do you see your need and your brokenness where you need the gifts of others in your life? And so following Jesus in the church takes a humility to receive from others and to give to others out of the love that Jesus has given you on the, really not just on the cross, but as he lived and gave his life and laid down his title, laid down his, really his position. He came down from his throne to you and to me. He was 100% human, 100% God, and he gave up all of that to be the one that was sacrificed for you and me, making you and I holy and acceptable before the Father. He's the one that we can look back, and in view of his mercy, we can renew our minds together as a family. Refuge, I just pray for you that you would have vision to be a light in Austin and to be a family in Austin that you would continually be a family that wants to be a light and you would want to be a light that desires to welcome people into the family. That's my prayer for you today. And, and as I close, I just want to actually show you a video reminding you some of the family that you have, you have come from and that you might do this with others in the future. And so this video uh, might bring a few of you to tears, which I hope it does because it probably will me too, but it's a reminder of what was not that long ago. And I want to encourage you as you watch this to look at all the faces of people in this family and to remind each of us that we're part of a family much, much bigger than ourselves. And so, guys, if you would roll that video, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 
Shepherds and our first children's director. See people who have poured into countless men and women, inviting them into their homes, sharing the gospel, friendship, community. I thank you for that, Christ. I thank you for these men and women that are represented here. Would you do a powerful work? Spirit of God, would you anoint each of them to do a work of the gospel? And that you would be exalted in and through that work. That your name would be magnified in a new place in our city. I, I just, I pray very simply for power and for protection, God. Would you protect them from the enemy that wants to snuff out the light before they're able to get it started? We rebuke that in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that you have protected us as a church to allow this moment. I pray that in just a few short years, Josh and Rachel and their team would be able to celebrate this moment again as they multiply. Because Satan isn't able to snuff it out, but your power goes forth, God. I pray your power over them, your provision over them, God, your protection. Spirit of God, would you do a beautiful work? Praise things in your beautiful name. Padre, te damos gracias en esta mañana por tu presencia, por tu amor, por tu gracia, por tu misericordia. Señor, te doy gracias por mi hermano Josh, su esposa Rachel, toda esa gente que están aquí en este escenario. Te damos gracias por la obra que tú estás haciendo en, en, en este hombre. Señor, te damos gracias por Refuge Church. Pedimos que esta iglesia sea un refugio para las almas perdidas. Que tu evangelio sea proclamado y podemos ver salvaciones y bautismos, Padre. Señor, protege esta iglesia. Te pedimos tu cobertura, tu bendición. Te pedimos tu gracia, Padre, en esta iglesia. Señor, que tu nombre sea glorificado. Te llevas toda la gloria, Padre. Sabemos que tú eres capaz de ser más de lo que podemos pensar, más de lo que podemos imaginarnos. Llévate la gloria, Padre. Te pedimos esto en el nombre de Jesús, en nombre poderoso de Jesús. Amén y amén. Amén. Here's what I want to invite us to do. I want to invite all of us to stand. And what we're going to do here in a minute as we're going to uh, commission them out, okay? And so remember, we don't celebrate growing, we celebrate going. And as we kind of get hype in baptisms, the reason we get hype is that that is the individual expression of what we are corporately seeing behind us right now. So I want us to get kind of hype, y'all, all right? Like, like what we're getting to do, I want you to think about this for a moment. There are no real known church plants in the area or people with the gospel, and we are getting to commission them out to go make much of Jesus in that area. You will have more brothers and sisters in the kingdom that you may not meet here on earth, but you will meet in eternity because of this work right here. You'll get to see the glory of the gospel being uh, expounded and exposed and literally exploded through our church doors, even right now, y'all. And so we get to commission them out, and I want to be excited about that, even though it may be hard. I'm literally, I'm trying to be as monotone as possible because I don't want to cry. I ain't even looking at you, dog. Okay? And so listen, in the same way that Jesus commissioned us, 
So we commission you all to to go to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that our King has commanded. And remember, Jesus is with you always. And Refuge Church, we are with you always. We're in this together, even to the end. And so we commission you with that and say, go make much of Jesus in that area of Austin. Amen. family with the love that you just saw there and reminded of and that you get to do that with others Uh, there was a church before the well there's a church before that church there's a church before that but we're part of the same family Uh, I love the church I love the kingdom of God because it brings people into family through Jesus Christ And so as we go into communion, I'm just going to transition us into that. I'm going to pray that your view and your heart for the church would be stirred again, that your affection for refuge would be stirred, that your love for the bride of Christ would be stirred after today, and that you would continue daily to surrender what you think church is supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like, that you'd be reminded that you're part of something much bigger than yourself Um, That there's people, billions of people around the world today worshiping Jesus that are part of your family. But he's called you to be a part of this family. He's given you refuge to be given to. Uh, He has given you to these people. He's given you to this community. He's given you to this church because they need you and you need them. And that is a beautiful picture of family that God has given us. So. Would you pray with me as I pray for our communion? And as you come up uh, for communion, if you would just come through the middle and then go back on the sides, uh, that'd be great. Father, I thank you so much for the reminder of your love for us, for the reminder of family, that even when family is broken and messy and when the church is broken and messy, you have allowed us to follow you, Jesus, in the church that your way is better than what we can see. Your ways are higher than we can see. And it is only through you that we can read Romans 12 and say, let love be genuine. Let love be true. Would we love each other as a family the way you've loved us? Would we lay down our lives for each other? And so I pray for refuge, that they would be a light in South Austin and that they would be a family 
And as everybody learns what it means to follow you in the church, to follow you together, to renew their minds together, would they love each other? Would your spirit dwell in this family? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. 